This episode is brought to you by The V1 Project. Before we dive into today's episode of the Lift Effect Podcast, I want to tell you about something that's really quite special to me. It's called The V1 Project, and it's all about bringing professional pilots together to create a supportive community. You know, being a pilot is more than just a job. It's a way of life. The V1 Project is here to help you cultivate a core set of values and virtues that will help you enhance not just your career, but all aspects of your life. Many of you have reached out and asked about the Lift Effect Mental Skills course for value-based living. While we're not offering that course right now as a standalone course, we have included it as the first four months of the V1 Project. So if you want to take that course, you got to go into the V1 Project to get it. But here's the thing. The V1 Project is not just about what you learn, it's about who you meet. It's all about building a strong sense of community. Picture yourself surrounded by like-minded individuals, all on a journey to better themselves and to support each other. Our motto says it all. V1 is a place for professional pilots to build community, cultivate and develop and express a core set of values and virtues for optimal living in a supportive community with encouragement and professional guidance. So if you're a professional pilot looking for something more, something that'll take your career and your life to the next level, head on over to thev1project.com. That's www.thev1.com, as in the number one, not O-N-E, but one, project.com. Join the V1 Project today, and let's go. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to the Lift Effect Podcast. I am your host, Matt McNeil, founder, clinical director, and director of human performance at Lift Effect, where we assist professional pilots with maintaining better mental health and optimizing their mental skills. The goal of this podcast is simple, to help pilots and other high liability professionals and disciplines come out of the shadows to discover how we can live better lives personally and professionally. Join us each episode as we discuss various topics ranging from mental health, mental skills and performance, to business, entrepreneurship, and a few other surprises along the way. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the fabulous Lift Effect podcast. I am your co-host, Matt. I'm not the host. I'm the co-host, Matt. Uh, and I'm with the host, Carl, who is sicker than a dog. He showed up today. I don't know why he showed up, because he's really sick, but that's how dedicated he is to all of you to be here so <laughs> carl how's it going buddy wow with an <laughs> intro like that i'm he's I'm, by the way he's shaking his head as i'm doing the intro because he's he's giving me the you're doing this all wrong this is why we don't oh, give you the microphone yeah. at the beginning step back <laughs> step back i'm a, well you know he gave me the controls, so that's what oh, yeah, happens. You know, since he owns the show, it's like, well, do you think I should do this? Oh, no, never. <laughs> no, 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 no. I think that would be a bad thing. Okay, thanks yeah. for being on my podcast. Yeah, yeah. well, <laughs> he said your controls, and I just did a barrel roll. So there there you yeah. have it. Everybody, yeah. yeah, hopefully you got your six sacks. Yeah. Um, what I thought, we thought, when we quickly started to talk, and I was like, okay, let's hit record, because I don't want to... Uh, I think Carl's got 
limited bandwidth today. Let's get as much as out of the guy as we can. Um, <laughs> let's capture not, not it. Not that I have much more on any other given day, but <laughs> well, you know, right, we'll go yeah, with that. Well, yeah. Let's just go with that. It sounds good. Um, yeah. We the obviously, you know, like the lowest hanging fruit for an episode this week, and this is not a pre-recorded. You know, this came out. This episode's being recorded on the day it's being released. So this is uh, truly off the cuff. Um, the lowest hanging fruit is what has been in the news over the last week, which is the uh, pilot in the jump seat. Everybody wants to talk about it. I've been getting requests for interviews on different news media outlets, and um, my colleagues are getting interviewed, and it's it's been a very, very busy week. Uh, let me start with this, though. And this was the same thing I've said to um, Reuters and whoever else is called. I've said, I don't know what happened. We don't, we don't know until they've concluded their investigation. So everything is just conjecture. And it could be a bunch of different things. So let's just put in the disclaimer that everything that we're going to say here today is just is like it's just opinion and opinions are like buttholes everybody's got them they usually smell pretty bad uh this is like no there's no uh validity to anything until you get the actual facts so meaningfully talking about this i want to be very careful that we don't start to make a bunch of assumptions about somebody and about a situation that we really don't know anything about. And that's a very valid point. I mean, people, Monday morning quarterback everything. And right. I've seen it in all the accidents and people are going, why did he do that? And and I, I don't think that's the goal today. Um, Not at all. Like you said, because it, it, it doesn't serve a purpose and may actually cause a disservice to, uh, to the individual and to our profession that's right so we'll um, be really careful with that i think that there are some things though that are highlighted that we can speak to and and i think we can also speak to what has been presented so far and now that and saying if that were the case then these are things that could be brought into consideration but that is just like you say opinion because those things could change and may very well change as uh the full facts come out mm -hmm. um i want to ask the first question to you is uh this is not the first time unfortunately that there have been events in a cockpit no you know fedex is a, a good example mm -hmm. where the guy was uh, basically took the uh, you know the axe and the, mm -hmm. and the and the spear gun um have you gotten a similar um, deluge of, of inquiries. Is this different than any of the others? Do you notice a difference in, in, the, in this event versus others? Are people reacting? Is the media reacting differently? So the media reaction um, is that I've gotten is, well, it's not so much the psilocybin. We can get into that in a minute. Um, cause there's a lot of misinformation that's, that's being spread around 
that psilocybin and well let's we'll clear some of that up hopefully but the reaction has been well this person had a medical that they recently renewed and he said he was depressed for five months well how does he have a medical if he was depressed and this is just the ignorance of the media they don't understand how the system works um and i'll, I'll say i'll tell you exactly what i told them well one is a pilot saying, I feel depressed, is not a diagnosis of depression. On an 8500 form, if you read it very carefully, it says, have you been diagnosed with any of these conditions? Any of these? Pilots can't self-diagnose. So that's a really important factor. Somebody saying, I, you know, I feel kind of depressed does not constitute a dep I'm dep I, I have a, a diagnosis of depression. And the medical form asks you what you've been diagnosed for, what you've been treated for. Pilots, and this is the work of our wonderful Billy Hoffman, uh, you can look him up. He's going to be on NPR today. He's a good friend of mine. Um, he's done all the work on healthcare avoidance of pilots. He is a physician in the Army. And Pilots are extremely, not just mental health, but healthcare avoidant, meaning they don't seek help because they are worried about the negative consequences and the negative impact to their career. So there's no mystery there. Um, th that's well-known, well-documented, well-studied, the avoidance behaviors of pilots. Um, but just to say, you know, a pilot says, I, I think I've been depressed for a few months, does not mean, you know, you need to report that on your medical. That's not what the medical form is for. That's not what the medical form asks. Pilots are not in a position to self-diagnose. So why did this guy get a have a medical in his hand? And, um, you know, he's reporting that he was, he was depressed. I don't know if that's true. That's what they're saying in the papers. Well, he can say he feels depressed, but that's not a diagnosis of depression. That doesn't mean he's been treated for depression. And because of the healthcare avoidance behaviors of pilots, very likely he was not treated for underlying depression. Does that make sense? It does. Um, so that's the first piece. The second piece is that I, the, so the question was, is this, you know, what's different about this situation? Just has the media treated this differently? Have you gotten a different vibe uh, you know Not i don't know if you've been contacted in other ones as an example yeah i have um i figured you had uh i think that this is 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 different in maybe what 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 the specifics of the situation has happened this is a little different i think that you know there's some some people have tried to compare it to german wings that i think this is very different than german wings uh, extremely different than German wings. And, um, you know, when that German wings happened, I flew over to Germany with a couple of colleagues, uh, as part of a think tank with, uh, Verum cockpit, which is the German, uh, Alpa to kind of like deal with this situation. So I learned quite a bit about what happened in that situation. That was a very, rehearsed act on the part of the pilot that 
Uh, if you don't re remember what happened, a pilot, uh, co-pilot locked the captain out of the flight deck and uh, purposely crashed the airplane with everybody on it. That was a, a I think that was a very different situation um, than this one. Th this one was, you know, a jump seater gets on a plane. He needs to ride in there because there's probably not room in the back. He's going to work or going home. I don't know what the situation was. Everything seems fine. And then all of the sudden, it, it, things erupt. And the two pilots that were at the controls were able to intervene uh, quickly to stop whatever was happening. I think it's still very unclear what even actually happened in there. The reports say that the pilot or the jump seater tried to pull the fire handles uh, to cut off the air, the engine, you know, cut off switches. And that the pilots, I don't know which one, was able to stop the pilot and then ask him to leave the, the flight deck to which he did. That's a very different situation. It sounds to me like it was very chaotic. It was very confusing. It sounds like there was normal conversation between the three of them. Uh, things seemed normal until very quickly they weren't, a, they weren't normal. The report is that the jump seater took his head set off and said, I'm not okay. Or things are not okay. And then reached for the handles and they were able to stop him. That's my understanding of it. Is that what happened? We have no idea. We have no idea. They asked him to leave. They got him out of the cockpit. He left. He did not put up a, a, a struggle to leave. He went to the back of the airplane. Seems like what's reported from the flight attendants, there was more impulsive behavior of trying to get out of a door, some sort of escape uh, act. Uh, and then he asked them to handcuff him because he did not feel okay. And from what it says, the reports, are they right? It could be complete bullshit. We have no idea. But sounds like he was very upset himself about what had happened, was saying, oh my God, what have I done? I've screwed this up. It, to me, there's this impulsive uh, element to this and it sounds like very confusing. Now, here's what I will say about this. Everybody's talking about mushrooms. Psilocybin. Psilocybin is very... Psychedelics are all over the, the media these days because of their efficacious properties for treating certain mental health conditions. There's a lot of clinical trials that are going on that are involving psilocybin. Um, and it's been shown to be very promising in terms of uh, treatment-resistant depression, PTSD, those kinds of things. Uh, it's still very, I mean, I think it's, the jury's still out. They're still trying to study this stuff. But in the media, it's being purported as, man, this is a wonder drug. This is really helping people where everything else can't touch the depression. The psychedelics really work. So a lot of people are trying to, um, without proper supervision, in a non-medical setting, take these, me these really medicines 
to try to, to fix their problem on their own. So that's happening. That's happening all over the place. Um, knowing what we know about pilots and their resistant uh, behavior to getting help, and we've talked about that ad nauseum on this podcast, what are the barriers to getting treatment, which has been my conversation with the press, is like, look, there are significant barriers for pilots to get, to get help. So let me just cover them real quickly, and then we'll move on. The barriers to pilots getting treatment are, one is the stigma of being seen or labeled as weak or unstable. That's, that's a barrier for pilots to reach out for help. Two is the recertification process that pilots have to undergo if they do seek help is very lengthy and it's very costly to pilots. Pilots that want to get help for mental health conditions are often out for years, two to three, sometimes more, in order to regain their, their medical certification. And this is at their own expense. And some pilots don't have the insurance coverage uh, that other pilots do. I know at one particular large airline, any mental health condition, they get six months coverage, that's it. Any other medical condition, they're covered till 65. But if it's mental health, six months, that's then you're done. Well, a lot of pilots have multiple mortgages. They got kids in college. They've got car payments. They've got, and they can't afford to just not have a paycheck uh, for several years and have to have the expenses of trying to get themselves recertified. So that, look, that's a barrier that encourages pilots to just say, you know what? I'm going to just see if I can help myself on my own. Or I'm just going to try to, you know, bear down and just power through it. So when it's somebody says they're going to, you know, it says that somebody's using psychedelics, to me, the first thing that pops in my mind is not somebody that's going to Red Rocks at a concert, but I'm thinking in light of the recent, uh, you know, all of the, the, you know, the, the reports in the media about the benefits of psychedelic therapies, I'm thinking, okay, somebody's trying to help their underlying mood issues that they're suffering with. And they're trying to do it offline, outside of the medical system on their own, right? Trying to treat yourself. Some pilots use alcohol for that. Um, that's the first thing that, that strikes me. When there's a self-report of, I've been depressed for a number of months, Okay, that seems to add that 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 makes that kind of make more sense of what is this sort of mushroom thing that's happening. Now, I just want to say though, what people you know, there's all these sort of you know jokes. Oh, he's tripping in the flight deck and uh, because he's on mushrooms and like one is we don't know that it the mushrooms or psilocybin is typically you're not going to hallucinate for you know it, after 48 hours of taking them we have no idea if he took them when he took them could it have been several weeks ago could it have been several months ago we have no idea but to say oh he hallucinated because of mushrooms is we don't know that i'll tell you what you know what makes people hallucinate not sleeping not sleeping and there's reports that he's reported that he didn't sleep for 40 hours. You ever stayed awake for 40 hours? I have. You, you, you don't know what the hell's going on. 
And you can go into micro naps. You can start to, you know, if you're nap, you can start dreaming. You could just kind of not know where you are. Carl, you're shaking your head because I know you know what, the, I know what that feels like. I want to, if it's all right, I'm going to bring up my experience. Yes. Um, and if you don't, I'll. We've been doing this podcast for just about a year now. We've talked about a lot of things and this podcast is to help other people. And this today's is not about me, but. I feel maybe it's time for me to give a little bit of insight as to how and why I'm here and how it relates to today. There, everything that Matt just said is true. Um, and I felt all those things. The uh, pressure to be the breadwinner, be, you know, take care of the family, to be strong, not show weakness. Um, everything was fine until during COVID and during the time where COVID was going on, we weren't flying. And, and during that period, I ended up getting COVID and afterwards I wasn't the same person. And to some degree, I'm still not, I think I'm better than I was, but not where I was. And, um, everything was fine because I could just waited out hoping things would get better because we weren't flying the first time comes around for me to go to training and i'm not feeling right so i call in sick the second time around i go i can't do this i've always had the the statement that my family's on that airplane and if i can't feel safe with yeah to fly them i can't feel safe to fly anybody else i never took meds but i knew that what i had been doing and i wasn't getting sleep i was getting horrible sleep i knew that i wasn't able to solve this problem so and i knew what the i knew what what i knew what the implications of this decision was that i would be down for an extended period of time and unfortunately, I, I have, it did cause that, and it's been coming to financial cost. But I went to a doc and started down that path. It was a very humbling and very life-changing decision because it affected so many things. It's impacted my, my, my marriage. Fortunately, I have a wife that's amazing and has stood by me. Um, it's affected friendships. It's, it's definitely affected my finances. This is such a difficult decision to make. It's hard for people to understand. This the process is very difficult, and it's it's not set up in a way to sit there and support you to 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 to, to make this decision. You almost feel ashamed to do it. And it shouldn't be that way. And it and I'm I I don't regret what I did. I'm gonna just say that right now. I'm I I don't know what I how I found the courage to do it. I don't know what you know. I I, I remember calling and I was in tears. 
but I wouldn't change it because I couldn't live with myself being in the cockpit and putting 266 people plus the crew at risk. It just, that is something that was infinitely worse. So, you know, depression is, it's a demon and it's hard to deal with. And that's not something that somebody can go, okay, well, if you do A plus B, you'll get C. It, it, it's a very long process. It's a trial and error to some degrees, to degree. Um, some people are able to rebound very quickly and other people, I don't, I think it's a life, they'll it live takes with it for their the rest life. of their life. Yeah. Yep. And to the ultimate. It takes their life. They, so I just wanted to share that only because I can only empathize with this person. The only thing that I did differently than he did at the peers was I didn't, uh, I may not have self-medicated like it. he may have in some way, if that is what he did. Yep. Other than that, I think I felt all those things. I felt those moments where I was not, where it's like, if I'd been near something, I would, you know, like, I can't do that today. Don't, don't let me touch something. So it, uh, it's a, it's a real thing, unfortunately. And I, and I, and it's not just pilots, it's everybody. It's just that obviously the impact that we can have on our decisions is greatly magnified. I yep. just wanted to share that. Yeah. I appreciate that. I, I, it's a real thing. And you know, we don't know what was going on, but there could be any host of reasons why somebody might impulsively do something. Whether it was intentional or not, we don't know enough. But what I'll tell you this, when people are not sleeping and they, you know, fall asleep, they, they can start seeing things, they can start hallucinating, they can start... Forget it's like you lose touch with reality a little bit. And I'm not saying psychosis. You, you just know, make poor decisions. Well, make poor decisions and make decisions that don't make any sense. Yep. And and they don't even realize what they've done. And so, you know, this is a this is a horrible thing. This is a horrible thing. Now let's get at some deeper stuff here. We have a culture. In our community, pilot community, of not getting help. And this is not, you cannot just blame the pilots for this. That's a cop out. I asked the reporter, I said, let me ask you a question. If you didn't feel good, you were a little sad or depressed or anxious, would you go get help if it meant A, you're not going to be able to work for the next two to three years? B, you've got a 50-50 shot of whether you're going to be allowed to go back to work. And C, you're going to have to pay a ton of money to be able to get to prove that you can go back to work. Would you just would you go to the doctor and get the help? Guess what I had on the other end of the line? Silence. Silence. I can only imagine. Well, and there's this, you know, I'm not there, you know, we don't, we're not uh, flying well, the general public route. Yes, that's true. That is true. The, You're the, not, the comment is always, yeah. well, that's different. That's different, right. But it's not. It's not different. And the, the Federal Aviation Administration is making improvements. I will give them some credit to that. They are making some improvements. 
but not fast enough. This is a crisis. This is going to be, I'm, I'm worried this is going to be happening more and more. Why? Because pilots are being pushed harder and harder. Yeah, you're paying them more money. Thanks. Great. Okay, great. But you're pushing them harder and harder and harder. Minimum rest. No day, can't get days off. Circumnavigating time zones, disrupting their sleep, building stupid schedules that set them up to fail. And, And And most importantly, not allowing them to get help without massive repercussion to the pilot. I'm going to say it one more time. You are not letting them get help without massive, unreasonable repercussions to the pilot. It's got to be a win-win. It can't be a win-lose. That's the basics of business. If it's a if it's a win-win, everybody wins. Everybody's happy. If it's a win-lose, somebody gets screwed. Yeah, it's not even a win-draw. <laughs> not even close. And so, what are things that could be doing? Increase the number of medications that are allowed. They all have the same side effect profiles. When I talked to, I listen, I was in Pittsburgh, spending time with my dad and lots of people that are involved in my family in the medical community. And we this this when this happened, and we started talking about drugs that are allowed, and these are physicians, these are neurosurgeons, and they looked at me and they said, that's just stupid. They, they don't allow that? They, don't, they only allow this and that? They make you wait six months? They, and, and it's a nine-month, ten-month process to get... Well, of course nobody's going to get help. That's just stupid. It defies science. So this situation is just really unfortunate. And as the, the, the general public, yeah, I don't blame you for being scared. I don't blame you for being worried. I, I'm worried too. Well, let me ask you a question based on what you just said to, be, to clarify it. Do you feel, and I think I know the answer, but I want to ask you it this way. Do you feel like the general public is put in any greater risk by having a larger number of, of these drugs approved for use with a valid medical so that they could fly? I'm not a physician. I'm not a pharmacologist. So I just want to say that I don't, you know, this is just opinions, whatever Matt's opinion shouldn't matter. But I think that it behooves the general public to have people being properly treated than for them to not be treated. And if this is what they say it is, this is a perfect example of what can happen when somebody is not properly treated. And the problem with mental health problems is you can hide them. Largely, there's no blood test for depression. Uh, look, people like diabetes. Yeah, you can you take your your pee in a cup and you know if you're diabetic or not. I mean, you can you can check for that. But if you're, you know, you're tired and you're not feeling good and you're not sleeping well and you're, you know, there's no blood test for this. This is based on self-report. And we have a culture of pounding through. Let's just put our head down and just keep going. Mission completion. You know, there's 
just finish the mission, which is part of our culture. And so I think it only benefits the public if you allow pilots to be properly treated. And listen, I have no problem with pilots being pulled offline. I mean, like, listen, I think you should be pulled offline. If you're, if you're impaired, you have no business flying. You should not be flying an airplane. But how about make it easy for them to get help and to get back to work? Make it easy. It's not, it, we're not trying to put a man on the moon here. And let's, let's get real this idea that if you have depression or anxiety, you are too dangerous to operate an aircraft. That's nonsense because pilots are depressed and anxious and they're flying airplanes every day. They're just suffering. We have so many safeguards in place. And this is why you shouldn't go to one pilot, by the way. This is a great example of why you should not go to one pilot. <laughs> uh, if you just get that off the, off the mind. There's no place for that. German Wings proves that. If, yeah, if there's, the captain out of there, you got one there pilot. There is no place for that. Even with automation and all, that is absurd. There is no place for that. Um, but make it easy for a pilot to reach out and get the help that they need and that they deserve and quite frankly that the general public deserves but saying you know what oh it's so it's you are you are public enemy number one if you have depression or anxiety well guess what if that was the case planes would be crashing all the time they'd be bending metal because if you think that pilots are not having mental health problems and if the ones that are, are calling themselves out every day and they don't go to work, you're fooling yourself. You're fooling yourself. Let's get real about this. I mean, I think there's the, the safety protocols we have in place should only encourage the FAA to have greater allowance of getting pilots more rapid expedient help expanding the list of treatments and medications that are available to pilots, reducing the timeline, the absurd timeline to get back to work. You know, it should be an N of one. And if nothing else, the airlines should also be, because this affects their schedule, this affects, oh, oh my God, the financial. It's devastating. So and the airlines I, need to get real about it too. And it needs to be pushed from the airlines. Look, the FAA's job is not to promote the pilot or the profession or any of that. And so they have a very hard job to do. Very, very hard job to do. They are there to protect the federal airspace system. Period. The end. Mic drop. Right? They used to promote aviation a little bit until value jet. And that changed everything. And they were like, you know, the role is to is safety. Period. The end. You know. So that is... It's, it's a difficult bind that they're in. And this is not simplistic, easy stuff, but, but like, it's kind of like at some point you got to take off the clown suit and just like, let's have a real honest conversation about what are the actual risks, not the, the perceived stigma, you know, risks that really, quite frankly, come out of stigmatization of mental health. What are the actual risks with regards to automation, the safety systems we have in place, the pilots that we have, the training that we have, what is the actual risk? And what is the risk of these medication profiles? And maybe coming up with more sensical 
ways of evaluating pilots individually to see how they respond to different types of therapies. And on a pragmatic level, make it so that, and this is where the unions might be able to you know, get involved, is make it easy for the pilot to go get help. Make sure that he's covered. He's not going to you know, be out, out of pocket all of this money uh, to, to be able to just get the help that he deserves and needs. This is a great call to action. And we're going to keep seeing this kind of stuff. We're going to keep seeing this. It's just, uh, unfortunately, it's a numbers game. The number of pilots in the U.S. alone has skyrocketed. Oh, the number of flights. I mean, yep. It's like, so it's, you know, all things being equal, percentage-wise, even if it's a very low percentage, it's still going to add more people just because there are more out there. And also, I think there's a difference in the mindset and mentality of a lot of the young ones coming in today too very much generational differences in in terms of propensity towards mental health problems which we have talked about it, we've talked about it and it, it's a real thing and you can blame them and say they're weak and that that's just pushing stigma um you know that's there's just differences exposure to social media exposure to constant inputs of information the pressures on these kids the the poor economic situation that many of them are facing um lack of opportunity i mean you can't pilots guess what you want to move to denver you can't buy a house here because everything is two million dollars you know it's the the landscape has changed and we've got to really to start to take a look at this stuff or we're just gonna keep playing this cat and mouse game and something very bad could happen. I mean, I think that these are outlier events. I'm not concerned about the jump seater that tries to grab the fire handles. I mean, I'm concerned about it, but that's not what worries me. It's the it's the the day in and day out slog so many of our colleagues are facing because they're not getting the treatment that they need and they're just trying to power through it. And they end up calling out sick a lot, they end up calling fatigue a lot, they end up having personality issues, you know, conflicts with others that's draining on airlines and HR and pro stands. And, you know, it's, that's where the damage is. It's not the outlier event. It's the day in and the day out of untreated mental health and mental performance issues that pilots are facing and enduring. And they're trying to scale the barriers of being able to get help. That should be the concern. And I think that might decrease some of these outlier events if you change the culture around reaching out and actually getting proper treatment, getting help. I agree. Uh, this, uh, you can only hope that, that this doesn't go the opposite direction and become more draconian, which unfortunately could happen. I, I hope that it doesn't. Well, and if I you hope, take like away you jump said, seating, you're going to shut the industry down. <laughs> you know, it's... Uh, or what I guess I'm saying is take a harsher view towards the medical aspects of of your meta, medical license and make it draconian almost. I, I, you know it, what? I, I think with... I the, hope not. I think with the federal air surgeon that we have, I think that that's very unlikely. I think with the, you know, under that direction of Dr. Northrup, I, I have faith. 
that they are not going to go in that direction. I think that they are going to go in the other direction. I'm very hopeful of that, just based on what I'm seeing. They're trying, and they're doing a, a much better job than any other administration has done. Um, but yeah, that is a risk. It could, you know, it could be some sort of reactive, congressional-driven initiative that could, I mean, could go in the wrong say, direction. You know, an overreaction, like you say. I, I, I'm, I'm glad to hear that because I know you've said that about her uh, before. Mm -hmm. But I just, uh, whenever things like this happen, you just, like you say, until it all comes out, you just don't know where it's going to go. Don't know where it's going to um, go. But I, I just want to say to this poor pilot and his family, I have nothing but compassion and and love for him. Uh, you know, and and nobody deserves to go through something like this. I can only imagine how awful all of this is for everybody involved. And and I will say that all the trials and tribulations that may come to be strong and stay unified together because you will come out of it on the other end and at the end of the day god willing and everything goes the way one hopes is that you'll get the help and the treatment that you may need to be able to get back to where you were you know it's uh because i can't you know no the thing that people i think sometimes miss is that this wasn't something that the the uh, pilot did just because they wanted to do it. This was this wasn't uh, you know you could say you could make the argument oh well if he did take something oh he took it the po but it, he didn't choose he or she didn't choose to get to the point where they would contemplate something like that. So and and anybody that thinks that that can't happen to them. Like yeah, I said, kidding they're just, themselves. Fooling, they're just yep. fooling themselves. And they probably don't even realize how many people around them on any given day That's right. are, are like that. And some people are very, like you said, very, very good at hiding it. Yes. Um, so We've got to change the culture. We have to change we do. the culture. Well, Carl, I think based on your sniffles, and Carl's had the flu, so he really is, needs to go back to bed. Um. I think this is a good place to stop. Carl, what's your one thing? Since we switch roles today. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> That's a hard one because there's several thoughts going through my head. Choose one, man. When you joined to become an airline pilot, or specifically, you knew what was out there. You knew what the rules were. You, you know what the playing field was was and is we may not like everything that happens and like everything the way it is but we need to work within it and however i hate to say this it's going to sound very cruel or very cold however difficult it is when we need to make the decision to get help get help i understand there are very life-changing consequences that come with it but that's part of the deal that when you joined this joined right. to become a, an airline pilot, there was it's no different than having a check ride and, or, and having our uh, 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 the FAA jump seat and they pink slip you. You're guilty until proven innocent. It doesn't mean that you are guilty. He just thinks you are. 
and you have to prove you're not. And it takes months and months sometimes to get in front of the FAA court because in the interest of public safety, you're guilty until proven innocent. It's no different. Do the right thing and get help because that's the quickest way to be better for yourself, for your passengers, for your family. That sounds cold, but it's just, it was a hard thing to do, but I don't regret what I did. Yes. And I think most people, once they do it afterwards, they do feel better. Even if they have to live with the consequences, they realize that that was the right decision. It just took a while to get there. Just get there sooner. That's what I'm saying. That's it. I think it's a great close. We appreciate everybody that's listening to this. We appreciate this community. We appreciate the growing community. Um, we do this for you. This is for a hundred percent for you. We deserve it. We deserve as a community. We deserve more. We deserve better. And we, it has to start with what we choose to do, not with what anybody else does. Not the regulator. Any, it's what you choose to do. And so it starts with you, and that's why we're here. Hit the like button if you can. That it has a huge amount of weight uh, in terms of how much visibility we get. And we will see you next week, which will embark our one-year anniversary of our podcast next week. Been here for a year. So we couldn't do it without you. Couldn't do it without your support. Info. No, no, what is podcast it? Podcast at lifteffect.com. Pod, podcast at lifteffect.com. Don't listen. Th- that's the only reason he has me around. Doing. It's like... I know. <laughs> I can't get anything straight. Podcast at lifteffect.com. Uh, info at the V1 Project if you're interested. Incredible community that's growing. We'd love to have you. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Lift Effect Podcast. If you want to dive deeper into this episode and every episode, go to our website, lifteffect.com forward slash podcast. If you're enjoying the show, we would love it if you'd follow us on Spotify and rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. We really appreciate your support. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn, all with the ID Matthew McNeil. This show is brought to you by Lift Effect a clinical mental health and consulting company that assists air carriers, corporate flight departments, pilot unions, and commercial pilots by providing comprehensive psychotherapy and mental skills coaching services to pilots with mental health and mental performance-related issues. Visit lifteffect.com, that's L-I-F-T-A-F-F-E-C-T.com to book your free consultation. And finally, this podcast is for general informational purposes only. It does not constitute the practice of counseling, psychotherapy, medicine, or any other healthcare service, including the giving of medical advice. No therapeutic or provider-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information and any materials linked to this podcast is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional psychological advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining advice for any psychological or medical condition they have, and they should seek the assistance of their healthcare professionals for any such conditions. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time on the Lift Effect podcast.